This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hello and welcome to A Vegan Lounge. My name is James and you are listening to our fortnightly half hour dedicated to a vegan perspective on the world. And I might just plant a seed before we get fully underway, a quote which you've, if you've listened previously, you may have heard me mention. But it bears repeating, if only for the reason that it condenses the philosophy of one of the great advocates of animal liberation. Australian, Peter Singer, into a single sentence. It's a sort of a nutshell, really. Here he is. My own view is that being a vegetarian or vegan is not an end in itself, but a means towards reducing both human and animal suffering and leaving a habitable planet to future generations. Now, he would have likely said those words almost half a century ago. His 1975 book, Animal Liberation, was the first of its kind and became a sort of watershed benchmark and and changed the conversation forever about how we treat animals. Changed the conversation. As for how it changed human behaviour is another matter. In the intervening half century, human beings have only continued to turn up the heat, developing even crueler and more inhumane ways to treat animals in the form of high-density, industrialised exploitation of animals for meat and dairy products, both completely unnecessary and even detrimental to human health, and habitat distraction has accelerated as we continue to clear space to grow these products that are killing us. This month, climate scientist Peter Kalmus. Now, he's a data scientist at NASA and associate project scientist at UCLA's Joint Institute for Regional Earth System Science and Engineering. And he uses the resources available to him at NASA to track and study the rapidly changing state of our Earth. Peter Kalmus, worth Googling him, Peter Kalmus, K-A-L-M-U-S. And he was quoted in a Guardian report last week as referring to his words, this catastrophic or this catastrophe unfolding now all around us with such excruciating clarity. How many times have we heard it said that the single most significant action any of us can take is to move rapidly to a plant-based diet? to mitigate at least some of the negative effects our current way of life is impacting on our beautiful planet. Another story, it is related, doesn't seem so at first, but it is, I found affecting this week was a CNN interview with Christian Amanpour, and it was related to the war crimes being currently committed by Vladimir Putin's forces in Ukraine. And her subject was a man by the name of Benjamin Ferenc, 
It's unlikely you'll know his name unless you saw the similar story. But an absolutely remarkable man who in the year 1947 was the 27-year-old prosecutor successful in bringing to justice the 22 leading Nazi war criminals in the Nuremberg trials. Christian said at the opening of the interview with this dignified, fine-looking old man, I believe you can still recite word for word your opening address at the Nuremberg trials. Indeed I can, replied Benjamin Ferenc. And with that, he launched into the opening words first spoken 75 years ago. And then CNN very cleverly brought up the screen, on the screen, the original black and white uh, newsreel footage from 1947. And as the interview, as the address at least drew to a conclusion, faded back to the studio for the final few words recited from memory by Benjamin Ferenc. This 103-year-old gentleman was bringing to mind from memory words he had spoken before I was born, and I'm 75. It's astounding. But what truly impacted upon me more than anything were the final words he spoke in the interview. Christian's inquiry was with regard to his feelings on the depths of depravity that humanity appears to be revisiting once again, this time at the hands of Vladimir Putin, evidently heedless of the admonitions of never again, which followed the unfathomable cruelty and suffering inflicted on Russia's own population in World War II. This fine old 103-year-old gentleman remained absolutely resolute. We must never lose hope. We must always hang on to hope. Never give up. Never, ever give up. And it was a Russian, after all, Tolstoy, who left us with his caution to humanity and words possibly familiar to many vegans from their first cautious navigation of the vegan path. This is Tolstoy. As long as there are slaughterhouses, there will be battlefields. A world without slaughterhouses. Now there's a vision. And as long as we can think of that, well, we can hope of that. A future where the life of all beings is considered sacred. Remarkable people seem to find ways in which to access beauty where there is suffering. Pink Floyd guitarist David Gilmour's mind was captured a handful of weeks ago when he saw Ukrainian singer Andrei Klevnik perform a traditional Ukrainian folk song on Instagram. And David was struck by the raw power of Andre's performance and approached him to see whether or not some sort of collaboration was possible. And Andre, who by this time had cancelled his performance tour in America and returned to take up arms to defend his country back at home in Ukraine, gave David his blessing to use his vocal. And the result has manifested itself in a song that has since become the second most popular song in the world, almost immediately upon release. And is actually based on an old Ukrainian anthem from 1914 called Oh, the Red Viburnum in the Meadow. Here it is, the first new Pink Floyd release in 27 years with vocals by Andrei Klevnik.
Oh, the red viburnum on the meadow. Hey, hey, rise up. Take charge of your own destiny. Be the change you want to see. Amazing. If you listen regularly, you will know this program is sponsored by the Christchurch Vegan Society. Each time a newsletter comes out, I am struck by the extraordinary range of activities, events and services it covers. And last week was no exception. The current runs out now. Very helpful to get a heads up on new vegan products. Clearly, the demand keeps increasing. And of course, we comprise a very viable market to the extent that coming down the line, I see in the newsletter this week, is a guide a guide to vegan website. That's what it's called, a guide to vegan. And it's starting up and running on May the 1st. Everything vegan in Christchurch that you need to know. So if, you, if you're thinking of dining out, for example, just jump on to a, vegan, a guide to vegan. And all the hard work of sifting through vegan options has been done. And you may well discover fresh new options you hadn't considered before. A guide to vegan online and ready to go from May 1. Also very interesting to hear via the Vegan Society newsletter about Canterbury quinoa. I'm too ignorant about this amazing grain. I've had a a jar on the shelf for ages but never cooked with it. So I must sort out that ignorance and fix it. Avon Moore Farms quinoa. It's grown right here in Canterbury. You can buy it from them and uh, they will be hearing from me. You can be sure of that. A reminder to Canterbury residents, or if you're visiting, this Saturday being April 30 is the last Saturday in the month. That means Night Markety, the Night Market, Phillipstown Community Hub from 3.30 to 7. And uh, it's a great way to wind down a Saturday. Hear some good sounds. Choose from a variety of delicious food options. Maybe pick up something you didn't know you needed from one of the stalls. Just a pleasant place to kick back with like-minded people. Phillipstown Community Hub, this Saturday from 3.30. You're listening to A Vegan Lounge. I'm James, and we do this same time every second Wednesday on Plains FM 96.9. As a new vegan, I've been reflecting on vegan life three months in, the people I've met here on this program and within the vegan community at large. If I was looking for qualities in common, unifying qualities, the words resolute and optimistic come to mind. And I'm mindful of the admonition from the 103-year-old gentleman we were discussing earlier. There surely is some element of sacrifice in every decision to adopt a vegan way of life. And to justify that sacrifice, there must be an element of hope that things will get better, not to give up. And uh, I see that all the time in vegans I meet. Well, I've been, been, I think I've explained last time, we've, I've been gathering recipes, accumulating recipes, food information and so on, and um, never get round to putting it to wear because the guests are always so interesting and we talk away and suddenly it's time to wrap it up. So we'll get a few recipes. Look at, And I've had this one here, the first one, Pepperoni rapini, stuffed peppers. I've had this since the very first program, dying to do it, after I bought a, a, a big, beautiful stuff, a, not a stuffed pepper, a, a red pepper at the Opawa Farmer's Market, which, incidentally, if you haven't visited, well worth checking out on by the Sydenham Library in Colombo Street every Sunday morning from 8.30. This um, pepperoni rapini, stuffed peppers, 
I've um, I've loved stuffed peppers always, but since taking up the vegan path, all the peppers, pepper recipes I know have involved cheese, meat, and so on. And um, I had to really search to find something that would suit the vegan um, path. And I don't know if you know the name Antonio Calluccio. He's a remarkable old, uh, I think he's died actually. He's a remarkable Italian chef. He had some fantastic TV programs, Antonio Colucci, Coluccio. And this is his grandmother's recipe for stuffed peppers. And they, back in the day, they used to bake these, he, he said in his book, once or twice a week at least, and they would always go into the dying oven where they'd been baking bread. For this, you'll need, say, let's say we'll do four, four peppers, four large um, red or yellow. They're equally sweet. The green peppers, of course, won't do. They've got a slight bitterness to them. They don't suit this type of recipe. Orange is good. Um, So, look, I'll do it really uh, loosely to give you the idea. The recipes are always available um, through the Vegan um, Christchurch Vegan Society, and uh, they'll be available from uh, later on this week. So you'll need some peppers, say four, some eggplant, one eggplant, some garlic, some capers, some pitted black olives. And this is the only change I made in the recipe. There were anchovies, and I thought, well, we'll get rid of those. And um, capers always stand in well for anchovies, don't they? Some capers and some anchovies, some capers and some olives, a couple of tomatoes chopped into little cubes, some parsley, some fresh breadcrumbs. Just wish, you know, was a few slices of bread, good local sourdough or not your standard white bread, some good bread in your blender. Uh, so get some fresh breadcrumbs, salt and pepper. And all you do, lay the, cut the peppers in half. And when you cut them in half for stuffed peppers like this, you always cut them from the st- stem end lengthways, not through the middle, from the stem end, even with a little bit of stem on either side. And you lay those on a slightly oiled or greased baking tray, put them in an oven at 180, 180, 200 for about 20 minutes just to, just to get them starting to cook and loosen up. And then you combine all the other ingredients I've talked about, but I would caution you with the eggplant, chop that into some little pieces and uh, stir that in a pan and some olive oil for a little while to partially cook that as well. So you mix the eggplant, garlic, capers, olives, tomatoes, which you've chopped up, the parsley and the breadcrumbs in a bowl. Stuff that into these half pepper shells, which you've cooked for about 20 minutes. Put them back in the oven for another 30 minutes until the top is crisp, the edges of the peppers slightly charred. You can serve those warm or cold. They're absolutely delicious. And um, they come with the stamp of one of the great Italian cooks, Antonio Calluccio. Very much on the same theme, Delia Smith. Now, I'm sure a number of you surely must remember Delia, one of Britain's great uh, TV chefs. She's written so many books. And uh, she has just written a new book. And it's not a a, um, cookbook. It's a spiritual book. And it's called The Human Connection. And I read an interview in The Guardian 
uh, about this book. And she said, look, I don't actually mind if it doesn't sell any copies. It's something I had to do. It's just a totally different um, – I just needed to do this. I think it sounds like a very interesting book. But she was persuaded by the interviewer said, look, just give us a recipe, one recipe. We have to take something away. And Delia said, well, look, this is one of my very favorite things, and it's so simple – and it's just roast. It's not unlike what we've just been talking about. But so do this, the same process. Get some red peppers, oil a baking tray, cut them in half lengthwise. And in each pepper here, add a little mix of some chopped tomato, some garlic. Here she says anchovies as well. But, of course, we're going to use capers and olives being vegan. Um, so into each half... Some chopped tomato, garlic, capers, olives. Pour a little bit of olive oil over each. A couple of grinds of black pepper and some salt, bearing in mind the saltiness of the olives and the capers. Now, they should be nicely cooked through, 180. You've got it in uh, about 50 minutes. Now, if you've got some lovely focaccia from one of the great, wonderful bakeries we have here in Christchurch, we've got Bellbird, we've got Grizzly, we've got the Bohemian. There must be many others. I'm, I live centrally, so those are the ones I use. But uh, gosh, we are lucky to have such um, a wonderful variety of bakeries here in the city. You imagine some lovely focaccia to soak up the juices of those um, Delia's or Antonio's roasted peppers. Another one, roasted pepper pesto. A friend of mine knew I was going to do this, and she said, you've got to do this. Um, A couple of large red peppers. Um, Same thing, cut them in half, get the seeds out, all the little membrane bits, and... um, Roast them. Get the in this particular case, take the stalks out as well, and you can actually cut the pieces into chunks, and you just roast them on an oiled baking tray. For uh, you could might put the oven up to two hundred for this. Um, put them in there for, because you could actually do with getting a bit of char on the on the skin. Say twenty twenty five minutes for these red peppers. Roast them. Um, when the edges, when they're clearly cooked and the legs, edges look slightly charred, while you're doing that, lightly toast some pine nuts. Now, pine nuts are, are expensive, so you can risk putting them in the oven with the peppers and then turning around and forgetting about them. And you think, well, bugger, that's, you know, $6 worth of pine nuts just charred to a crisp. So it's up to you. You can just do them in a pan on top of the stove and keep an eye on them, whatever. Your problem. Lightly toast the pine nuts. Then you put the peppers, a bit of garlic you've mashed up, some pine nuts, a little bit of salt and pepper, a little bit, of, and into the into the food processor. Get it going, and then pour some oil through the um, the feed tube until you get a nice thick consistency. It's delicious. It's the most beautiful colour. I had my, my young nephew um, from Berlin staying with me the night before last, and I said, I hope you like peppers because <laughs> he had to eat all of these things, and he loved that. So um, there you go. We've got time for one more. I wanted to, I've heard on Jesse Mulligan's programme <clears throat> a little while back, there was a woman from Macedonia, and she said, I want to share with you it's a dish we call in Macedonia tavce kravce. And I don't think there's many Macedonians around to correct my pronunciation, so I'll be very firm and positive of that. Macedonian white bean stew. And how, why this was interesting is for two things. 
It's the national dish in Macedonia, and it just happens to be vegan. So, you know, win-win, let's give it a go. For this, let's make a list of what you'll need. Some dried cannellini white beans. Any white bean will do. Dried cannellini soaked overnight. I just made... I. You can go on RNZ and uh, Google Jesse Mulligan recipes for Tavchi Gravchi and you'll get a recipe which is slightly different than this one because it's a larger quantity. I just wanted to make one cup of beans. Otherwise, I've got beans for Africa. Cup of dried cannellini beans, soak them overnight in water. Olive oil, one onion chopped, a red pepper chopped. This is the pepper theme continuing. A teaspoon of paprika, a little bit of flour, tablespoon of flour, some sea salt to taste, chopped mint parsley, that's all your ingredients taken care of. This is this is going to cost you, you know, even for a large amount, $5 for a family. Amazing. Soak the beans overnight in plenty of cold water, drain them, rinse them, place them in a medium pot, cover well with cold water, bring to the boil over high heat, and then reduce the heat and simmer uncovered. Around about 30 minutes should do it. Now, this is where I differ from the... Uh, the recipe that on RNZ, um, I just put it aside once it's they're cooked and leave them in that water. I don't drain them. And I also have taken with beans, anything like that, to salt them about halfway through. I don't know if you um, hear people say, oh, you must never salt beans at the beginning because they'll get tough, or you must salt them at the end. I just find them, I go halfway, halfway through, and it works well. All right, should we race through this? Um, turn turn the heat off, set aside, and then the next thing you're going to do is sauté your pepper, onion in a little oil, add a sprinkle of paprika, cook that, cook that, your flour, a little bit of flour just to thicken it, and then pour the beans and the water that you've cooked the beans in. Nice and tasty, don't throw it out. Cook that together, put a little bit more water, we're we making this Sort of a casserole dish, not a soup. But you can make it into a soup if you want to. And there it is. Cover with the lid. Braise in the oven for about an hour. Sprinkle with mint and parsley to serve. It is lovely. And um, I recommend you try it. All right. I would like to share with you another song before we wrap it up this week. Just as we prepared to go in lockdown around about this time a couple of years ago, I was preparing to leave for Peru, where I was going to take part in a month-long retreat high up in the mountains in the Machu Picchu region, the Partiti Institute, the place was called. Now, on these retreats, it's often helpful to have something prepared, a song or a poem, something to share, because it can often be sprung on you, and you're very awkward if you haven't got anything prepared. It's actually quite awkward even if you have, but never mind, you've got to be in. After a lot of searching, I came across a very compelling and moving little song and it wouldn't leave me alone, and it still won't a couple of years later. And it seems to express so poignantly the gaping wound of modern humanity's tragic disconnect with nature. So even though I'm a dreadful singer, I couldn't get the song out of my mind and resolved to learn it and perhaps sing-talk it like Lee Marvin in I Was Born Under a Wandering Star. Of course, that never happened. But the other day, I decided to look the song up again, a man by the name of Michael Lafarge wrote the song and it was recorded on an album by Pete Seeger called God Bless the Grass in 1966. To my absolute joy, when I 
when going online recently in search of the song, I found that there is a sublime recording of it made by Holly Arrowsmith in the RNZ studios right here in Christchurch. So here, with a voice, with the crystal clear purity of a mountain stream, is Holly Arrowsmith singing Coyote, My Little Brother. Thank you for your company. I hope you'll join me again next time on A Vegan Lounge. Goodbye. Coyote What have they done My Never, never, never will there be spring